Hey guys, I'm very excited for another episode of Show About Science. This is your host, Nate. Today, my guest is Duncan, and we're going to talk about G. Ah, look, G. It's got a walk. Get it? Walk. Let's get this show started. Oh, yeah. Hello? Hello, Nate. How are you? I'm good. So, Duncan, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Duncan Findlay. I'm a, I'm a geologist. I live in Calgary, Alberta. I have a PhD in stable isotope geochemistry, and I, uh, if you like pictures of rocks, you can find me at, at Realistic Geo at Twitter. So, Duncan, what's the order of the rocks that could tell us that they're younger or older? Well, if they're laid down by things like rivers and the ocean and stuff like that, then the older ones are at the bottom and the younger ones are at the top, unless they've been squished into mountains, in which case sometimes they get turned over. What about radiometric dating? Radiometric dating, all right, now you're talking. So, do you know what the difference between an element and an isotope is? No. Okay. Uh, An element is something like carbon or silicon or something like that, which cannot be further divided into uh, something else that's also an element. So when you get down to that level, what makes an element an element is the number of protons it has in the nucleus, in the atom itself. Um, But that's not the only thing that determines how heavy one of these things is. So you can have extra neutrons in there, which give weight to the element. So you can have something that is, say, a carbon, but it's heavier than the normal carbon. So those ones that weigh different amounts are called isotopes. But some of these things, they generate things like uh, alpha particles and stuff like that, which um, mean that they decay, like they give off radiation over time, and that changes their mass. So we know the rate at which that happens. So if we can measure how much of these particular isotopes there are in a rock, we can tell how old it is precisely. So if we take a cliff or something like that, and we go and take samples down the cliff, and we run radiometric dating on it, we can say, oh, this particular rock is 85 million years old, and this particular rock is 100 million years old. How do rocks form? Well, there's three different types of rock. There's sedimentary rocks, there's igneous rocks, and there's metamorphic rocks. So we were talking on, uh, on Twitter the other day about uh, igneous rocks. So that's things like they come out of volcanoes, lavas, that kind of thing. Anything that was molten is an igneous rock. So the further down you go into the earth, the hotter things get and the more liquid rocks are. So when you get a liquid one that it cools down, things like a granite or a lava or a basalt, Those are all called igneous rocks. Sedimentary rocks are formed by things like rivers and oceans and and, uh, any kind of water or wind. If you take your volcano or your granite and you smash it up with wind and rocks and all kinds of other stuff, it forms sand and and other finer things. And that gets moved around by rivers and the wind and lakes and the ocean. They form sedimentary rocks. In them, you can see pictures of dunes and all kinds of other stuff from the environment in which they were formed. But if you take either of those two types of rock and you heat them up and smush them, you can make a metamorphic rock, something like a gneiss or schist or something like that. And uh, they're a combination of the other two just baked in the oven for a little while. So are rare metals like gold and silver rocks? Yes, they are. What types? They would be, uh, ooh, that's a really good question. They're hydrothermal. So they, I would call them probably metamorphic rocks. I see. You know who we were talking about igneous rocks a minute ago? Yeah. Right, so they're really, really hot, right? 
Right. So when water comes into contact with them, it's like boiling a kettle. And it strips out a lot of the metals and elements that are within uh, the rock that was there in small quantities. And as that water goes away and cools down, these uh, metals form on the side of the crack that the water's going through. Do you ever look inside your kettle and you see the white stuff? No. If you look in the kettle and you see the white stuff in there, that's actually calcium carbonate. And that came out of the water. So as you heated the water, that stuff came out of solution and stuck to the bottom of your kettle. Now, it's totally harmless. It won't hurt you. But that same kind of thing is how you get uh, metal deposits like gold and silver. So you're saying if you leave it in there for a while, it could, like, turn into gold or silver? You'd need to have it in the water in the first place. So if you take water from very specific parts of the world, yeah, you could boil it. You would get gold forming in your kettle. But don't drink it. It's probably horrible water if you can get gold out of it. It'd poison you. Yeah, probably. But that's how it works. Yeah, though if you get it some calcium carbonate, just boil with them water and you'll get gold. Awesome. No, not quite. Not quite. Oh. Remember when we were talking about elements? Yeah. So calcium carbonate is made up of calcium and carbon and oxygen. So there's no gold there. Gold is actually an element on its own. Yeah. So you'd need to have some gold in the water. And you'd need to have quite a lot of gold in the water. Uh-oh. But that's where volcanoes come in. You know, they're rare. You said they were rare yourself. So you'd need to boil water through a lot of rock in order to get the gold out of it under very specific circumstances. So that's why it's rare. What if you have some calcium carbonate and you don't want to make gold, but you want to make silver? You would need to be in an area that has lots of silver. And usually these are areas with lots of volcanoes, or at least used to have lots of volcanoes. So you could go to somewhere like the Congo, or you could go to somewhere like uh, like British Columbia, or, uh, oh man, Japan probably has some. I see. Do you like fossils, Ned? Yep. Ah, now, we can talk about fossils all day if you like, because I love fossils. Remember how you asked how we can tell how old rocks are? Yeah. We can do that with fossils too. How do you do it with fossils? Remember that picture I showed you of that curly one that looked like a snail? Oh, yeah. Now that's called an ammonite. And they didn't really exist before about 200 million years ago. And you've got the ones called trilobites that have the three distinct sections, look like a, a woodlouse or a pill bug. Those went extinct 200 million years ago. So if you find a rock that has an ammonite in it, you know that it's older than 200 million years and before 65 million years ago when the dinosaurs went extinct. Yeah, I was going to say, those went extinct before the dinosaurs. Ay-yay-yay. <laughs> Long time ago. 200 million years ago, that was like some million, billion, trillion and a half years back. Well, that was before even the Earth was around. What? That was before even the Earth formed. The Earth is only 4.6 billion years old. So how can you tell how old the meteor that crashed into the Earth 65 million years ago, how old was that? How do we know it's 65 million years old? Yeah. Right, so there's a bunch of ways we know that's 65 million years old. So if you look at the hole that the meteorite made and look at the sediments that filled that up, the very oldest of those sediments is 65 and a half million years old. 
Also, because this meteorite came from the depths of outer space, it was made of elements that are different to what we have on Earth. So there's a very famous layer called the iridium layer, the iridium anomaly, some people call it, which is this uh, layer almost over the entire world, which is bits of that crushed up meteorite that got uh, laid down in the oceans and the lakes. So by uh, looking at where that shows up in the other sedimentary records and dating it, we know that that very specifically is 65 and a half million years old. And we can look at that both from radiometrics, like we were talking about earlier, and we can look at that from dating the fossils, and we can look at that from counting the layers in some cases. How do mountains form? Mountains, all right. Well, there's a couple of different ways to do that. So uh, remember we were talking about igneous rocks? Yep. And volcanoes? Yep. So if you get some hot liquid rock coming up from deep, deep in the earth, that will form uh, a tube where you get this hotless stuff coming up to the surface and it will start spilling molten rock out. And we know what that's called, don't we? Yep. Magma. That's a volcano. Or a volcano. So a volcano is a type of mountain. So we know how those type of mountains form like that. But another way we can form mountains is by continental collision. Oh. So do you know about plate tectonics? Yep, sure do. Great. So we have all these plates floating around in the earth. And when they crash into each other, it's just like a car crash. We have the two different continents crunch into each other and they force uh, rock both up and down. So you end up with really, really tall uh, mountains from that. And you know the Himalayas where Mount Everest is? Yeah. Now that was a huge car crash. That was India crashing into the rest of Asia. And uh, one of them came up above the other one. So you've actually forced India up and over Asia. Mm. So you've had a car crash like that where you've had one car pushed up and over the other. Something like you might see on the news. Super cool. You won't believe what I want to be when I grow up. Um, you want to be a geologist? A geologist or a chemist. Well, I was both, so I totally recommend it. They're both awesome things to do. <laughs> Thank you, Duncan, for being on the show. My pleasure chatting with you, Nate. It's been lovely. There you have it, folks. The show about science is complete. There you can shut the recording off. This is your host, Nate, and I'm very, very, very excited for another episode of the show about science. <laughs>